Christian Heritage Ministry, in cooperation with Fuller Seminary, proudly presents the Old Fashioned Revival Hour, a broadcast of the Gospel with Dr. Charles E. Cole. sunshine. Lift it up all together. And... 
world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. They're all expecting me, and that's one thing I know. I fixed it up with Jesus many years ago. I know he'll take me through, though I am weak and poor, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, oh, I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Just over in glory land, we'll live eternally. The saints on every hand are shouting victory. Their songs are sweet as praise, with back from heaven's shore. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. true it is that our citizenship is in heaven, from whence we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're pilgrims, or should be, strangers and pilgrims here in this foreign country. Heaven is our home to all who are born again. Sorry for you if you have no hope of ever gaining heaven. You may have a feeling that you'd like to, but if you're outside of Christ, there's no hope for you unless you come and confess your sin except Christ as your personal Savior. This old-fashioned revival hour is not put on for entertainment, but put on for but one purpose, and that is to beseech men and women everywhere to be reconciled to God through Christ. This is a soul-winning broadcast. So pray with us that many will be saved today. Oh, 
every week at this time the old-fashioned revival hour is brought into the homes throughout the nation and into countless homes beyond our own borders. We are so thankful that amid all the confusion and turmoil of our times, we can send forth the message of God's love and saving grace. And that's what the world needs. The responsibility of this worldwide broadcast, this undertaking, is tremendous. And we welcome your letters. Won't you write us today assuring us of your fellowship in this soul-saving ministry?
I want to give this word of personal appreciation to the splendid singers, musicians upon the program, all born-again musicians, members of the choir, singers. Leland Green is the leader and of the choir. Rudy Atwood is the piano and George Broadbent at the organ. And in the quartet, McDougall and Jack Coleman and Ken Brown and Art Jaisley. And I think that they all should have a good hand of appreciation. Don't you? Give them a good hand. There are some that can sing beautifully but are not born again. We won't have you on the broadcast. That's all there is to it. Honey, oh, by the way, I almost forgot the letters. Go ahead, honey, and read. Mrs. Fuller. Greetings, friends. A letter from Nebraska. Dear Reverend Fuller, we drove to Kansas City, Missouri in July to hear you, Dr. Fuller, but we were among the thousands on the outside of the arena. When we heard you were going to be in Des Moines, we were so thrilled, and this time we did get to hear and see you. That day in Des Moines was the happiest day I have known, other than when I accepted Christ. For at the invitation, my husband went forward and accepted him as Savior. He has come out of such darkness, and I know this was a great decision for him to make. He's going to the university at the present time, and I know how hard it will be for him to overcome all the temptations that will arise, but now he has the Lord for his helper. From the Sanglis, dear Reverend Fuller, last Sunday, when Honey read the letter that all of your converts might be assembled together someday in heaven, I said to my husband, well, you'll be in that group, as he is one of the boys in a wheelchair who accepted Christ there at the auditorium in Long Beach two years ago. That'll be a wonderful meeting, won't it? For he'll be standing then. A nice letter from South Carolina. Dear Reverend Fuller, I am in my 81st year, almost deaf, a shut-in, but praise God I'm not shut out, for I have a line that connects me right with God daily. I am all alone in my apartment, have been a widow 45 years, reared seven precious children through hardships, trials, and heartaches. Satan tries so hard to discourage me and make me feel that I have made a failure in life. And all that I have tried to do has been a failure. But God is my judge. He knows that I have done my best. And he has helped me. And I want to be ready when he comes. And then this last letter. Dear Dr. Fuller, I'm one of the many airmen stationed here in the Philippines. And even though we are far away from our wives and families, we can still find things over here to thank God for. And one of the many things is that it is possible for us to hear the old-fashioned revival hour every Sunday, and it really is an inspiration for us. We hear it from 5 o'clock until 6 on Sunday afternoons. It's wonderful to be able to sit down and listen to your good messages before we go on to the chapel services. Even though many of the men won't go to church, they still listen to you, and I can see that it is doing a wonderful work for Christ Letting these men see themselves as they are before God and needing Him. That is all I shall have time for today, friends.
Number 95, shall we gather at the river, remain standing for prayer, everybody taking part and singing out heartily. Please and pray with us in the radio audience. Our Heavenly Father, we pray for every lonesome heart today that they may know Christ, a real friend and Savior. And we pray for the troubled hearts that thou wilt speak peace to all troubled hearts as thou didst speak peace to the troubled waters on the Sea of Galilee. And we pray today for the hearts that are sorrowing over the loss of loved ones. Wilt thou, the great comforter, stand by today, and may the Holy Spirit in an unusual way speak peace, hearts that are sorrowing. And then for those upon the sunset of life, just waiting for the summons, child, come home, may they realize that the Lord will be their shepherd, walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and on the other side, glory. For it's far better your part to be with Christ is far better. Oh, how we thank you for Christian homes, 
How we thank thee for all of thy care for us here in mercy. Father, we sometimes are homesick. We long to lay the burdens down and be at home forever with thee. Save sinners today, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. listening to the Old Fashioned Revival Hour with Dr. Charles E. Fuller. His message today is titled, The Just Shall Live by Faith. I'll provide information after Dr. Fuller's message on how to contact us for a free copy of today's message or a catalog of the music you've heard on the broadcast. Now is the time to open your Bibles to the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, as we rejoin the broadcast.
listening to the Old Fashioned Revival Hour brought to you by the Gospel Broadcasting Association from the Municipal Auditorium at Long Beach, California. Charles E. Fuller speaking. Turn in your Bibles quickly to one of the minor prophets, Habakkuk, the book of faith. But I want to speak upon one passage that occurs in the second chapter, fourth verse of that book. The Holy Spirit seemed to arrest me on that for the message on today's broadcast of the old-fashioned revival hour. This minor prophet, Habakkuk, came face to face with some very real spiritual difficulties in the realm of faith. He wrestled with God, and by the way, his name means the wrestler, until his troubled heart was fully satisfied. Now, there's one statement that stands out as a heavenly beacon light that shined down through the centuries. It's upon this statement may we meditate briefly today. Chapter 2, verse 4, the latter part of that verse. The just shall live by faith. And this statement, the just shall live by faith, occurs three times in the New Testament as follows. Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, and Hebrews 
And in Romans 1.17, turn to it, please, in your Bibles, that marvelous epistle to the Romans. Paul speaking, he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written. Now notice the emphasis, the just, the righteous, as contrasted with the unrighteous, shall live by faith. In Galatians, third chapter, verse 11, the emphasis is upon faith as contrasted with works. The just shall live by faith. And in Hebrews 10:38, the emphasis is on live, setting forth that faith is the great principle and power of true spiritual eternal life. And then, now notice, the just shall live by faith. And then follows in the eleventh of Hebrews the biographies of a great cloud of witnesses, Old Testament saints who lived by faith, such saints as Abel and Enoch and Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and so forth. Now, first of all, Romans 1.17. Let's go into it for just a moment. The just, the righteous, shall live by faith. And the theme of this wonderful epistle, of the Roman epistle, is God's news, God's glad tidings. For in that glad tidings, the righteousness of God or God's righteousness is revealed on the faith principle. And the theme, the gospel of which Paul was not ashamed, reveals, provides, and bestows God's righteousness upon all who by faith will appropriate what God has provided for them in Christ Jesus. Now, let's just look at this a minute. From chapter 1, 18 to chapter 3, 19 of Romans, the Holy Spirit reveals the universal need of God's righteousness in that all men, irrespective of color, race, or creed, are utterly devoid of God's standard of righteousness. I don't care who you are. By nature you are a sinner and bound for the lake of fire unless you confess your sins, repent, and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in chapter 1, 18 to 32, we have the scarlet sinner, the deeply dyed, deeply ingrained sinner, and in chapter 2, 1 to 16, the moral sinner, the fellow that pays his debts, a good dad, a good husband, a good father. And then in chapter 2, 17 to 29, we have the religious sinner. There are a lot of church members across the land that have never been born again. You have a name to be alive, but you're dead. You have a form of godliness but no power. And so Paul in the epistle to the Romans sums up the whole matter. And he says, There is none righteous before God. No, not one. King or servant, educated or illiterate, prosperous or poverty-stricken. Not one by nature has God's standard of righteousness 
For you are a child of wrath, a child of disobedience, and all have sinned and have come short of God's standard of righteousness. And it goes on to say, For by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified or declared righteous in his sight. So the great problem is this. Listen to me now. The great problem is, in fact, it's the greatest of all problems. Your eternal destiny is at stake. That is, how can a man who by nature is a child of wrath and disobedience, alienated and afar off, utterly devoid of even a shred of God's righteousness, be termed just or righteous, be clothed upon with God's standard of righteousness? How can you? Paul says, I want to be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but be found in Christ who is God's righteousness. And the answer to this problem is found in the third chapter of Romans, beginning at verse 24. Give it to you quickly. And I want to read it to you because it's very important that we see this. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And I tell you, that there's no other way of salvation except through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. No other name, no other foundation, no other way but being justified freely through Christ, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood. What's the word propitiation mean? Lesson. First, a meeting place. Christ is the mediator, the one mediator, not one of many mediators, but the one mediator between God and man. He is the meeting place. You meet God in Christ Jesus. And the moment that you meet Him and come and are reconciled to God through faith in the blood of Christ, God declares you righteous and covers you with His eternal sinless robe of righteousness. Is that clear? And so the just, those who come to a personal appropriation, saving experience of redemption, being born again, not of flesh, but by the Word and the Spirit, God declares you righteous on the faith principle, and you shall live and pass from death Unto life. Galatians 3.11. I want to make it clear. The emphasis is on faith as contrasted with works. What was the difficulty? Well, some Judaizing teachers came down to the little church in Galatia. And they taught this. They came down and they said to those that were saved by grace, you're not saved unless you couple with it works. Teaching salvation by grace and by works. Teaching salvation by faith and by the sacraments. And so Paul said to the Galatian church, I marvel that you're so soon removed, deserting him that calls you into the grace of Christ under another gospel, which is not another. And though an angel from heaven preach any other gospel than I have delivered unto you, given by revelation from heaven, not man-made, let him be damned. 
Pretty plain speaking, but that's what God's Word says. And then in the second chapter, 16th verse, he gives the summary. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith of Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. And then chapter 3, 1, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth? And then he gives the summary in the 11th verse, by saying, the just shall live, with the emphasis, by faith. Faith contrasted over against works. Let me make it plain. After you're saved, then produce good work. Hebrews 10.38. I love the book of Hebrews. Beginning at the 19th verse of the 10th chapter, it is the practical portion of this wonderful epistle. And you'll notice in the 19th verse of that 10th chapter, these words, And may the sword of the Spirit do the work, having therefore, brethren, you who have been reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, not speaking of the unsaved, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. And you'll never approach God the Father except on the grounds and basis of the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to make that plain because the devil, the prince of the power, hates the preaching of the blood of Christ. And verse 20, By a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. 22nd verse, Let us, who are saved, draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. And then the summary in the 38th verse. Now the just shall live by faith. And in the 11th chapter. Oh, how I'd love to go through that chapter with you. We have those who have lived by faith. Abel, notice it. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness, assurance, that he was righteous back there in the dawn of human history. What happened? Two brothers, sinners by nature, both of them, from sinful parents, shaping in iniquity. One said, I've heard the way of approach. That's God's appointed way through the blood sacrifice of a little lamb without spot and without blemish. And when he came up to the altar, he came with a little spotless lamb. The lamb was slain. Abel put his hands upon the slain lamb in identification that he deserved death, the penalty of sin. But the substitute died in his place instead, and the blood was applied, and God had respect to his offering. Cain says no. And he brought the fruit of his own labors from a cursed ground. He came before God and he says, No blood atonement for me. I know the way to approach you, God. That's what he said in so many words. God had not respect unto his offering. And Cain went out angry, separated from God, a lost soul forever. Will you note the words? And... Abel obtained the witness that he was righteous 
God testifying of his gifts. And by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. The Lord tarry. You may hear that I've died. No, sir. Don't you believe a word of it. For the moment that God calls me home, I'll leave this earthly tabernacle that is outwardly daily perishing in spite of all I can do. And I'll depart to be with Christ, which is far better, and I'll be more alive than you ever dreamed of being. And I have now eternal life, but then I'll wake up in the glory and be with Jesus awaiting the resurrection morn, and someday come back, and this body of my humiliation will be fashioned like unto his glorious body, and I'll be forever with Jesus, like him. Hallelujah. Friend outside of Christ, I plead with you. I plead with you. Don't put off another minute rejecting the offer of grace in Christ Jesus, because I tell you on authority of God's Word, that unless you have been declared by God to be just, righteous, you are lost. And you'll not be declared righteous or just by your own deeds of righteousness. God is the one to give the verdict. And when you come God's appointed way through Christ and the cross and the blood of Christ, God says, Him that cometh unto me I will in no wise cast out. Come now. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. The just, God's declared righteous one, shall live by faith. And faith cometh by hearing and by hearing God's word. Will you believe that bow our heads in prayer? No one stirring. Jesus is tenderly calling me home, calling today. Pray with me as I continue to speak to the friends in the radio audience. Listen, you may be a scarlet sinner. You may be moral and upright, but before God you're a sinner. You may be a religious sinner. God says all have sinned and come short of my glory. But I'm willing to declare you righteous and give you my rope of righteousness in Christ if you'll come on the grounds of the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. No other way. If you'll come now, I'll receive you. Tomorrow may be too late. Kneel right where you are in the radio audience if you can. Say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me for Christ's sake. God bless you. Only eternity will reveal the thousands upon thousands that God has permitted to be saved through the old-fashioned revival hour. While our heads are bowed here in this splendid audience in Long Beach today, how many will quickly put their hands up and say, pray for me? I believe. God bless you. I now receive Christ as my... God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I receive Christ as my personal Savior. Like to be. God bless you, serviceman, a Navy boy. Anyone else can hardly get the invitation out without God bless you. That you're saved if there's any question. Settle it today and God can answer all your questions in Christ. 
For he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father except through Christ. Anyone else, just before we close, put your hand up and say, pray for me. I want to be saved today. God bless you back there. Continue in prayer as we leave the air.